Welcome to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. Today's episode has been made possible thanks to the generous support from the Maxwell Gunter Spouses Club. Death by suicide not only affects the person who died, but also others who care deeply about the individual. It seems as if our children are having to navigate this loss more than ever before. And while there's no easy way to grieve, there are ways to cope and even grow. We have a very special guest on today, my daughter, Katie. She's going to discuss the impact of losing a friend to suicide and how she's learned not only to survive, but to grow from the experience. I asked colleague Sue Lopez, who's a highly specialized educational professional who holds a master's in educational school counseling to chat with Katie. Katie, um, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, yes, ma'am. My name is Katie. My dad just retired from the military a couple of weeks ago and my mom works for MSEC. I am in 11th grade and, um, and I, love to paint and I also love the sciences, especially anatomy. Wow. So you are an artistic mind, but yet scientific at the same time. So you, you're a full brain engagement kind of person. Yes, ma'am. That's wonderful. So do you play any sports or do you have any other? I love soccer and I played it for a while, but this year, I decided that I should join our school's cross-country team, not because I like running long distance in any way, shape, or form, but strictly because uh, the community of the cross-country team is just very wonderful, and the people and everything that it's about is just something I want to be a part of. Well, that's a good uh, decision that you made for yourself. You know, you need positive things in your life, and... Like you said, it's not easy. Cross country takes a lot of discipline, self-discipline, but it will teach you a lot about yourself and how to dig deep and when to dig deep. And um, like you said, like the camaraderie of the team and the support system of the team are what keep you going when you're out there on your own. So that's wonderful. So today we are going to talk about what it's like to be the one left behind or uh, the impact of losing a friend or a loved one uh, to suicide. I'm sure that at different stages, we all go through different things, but losing a loved one um, to suicide can shatter our sense of a predictable world or what we're used to in our daily lives. And, and then we have the complex grief that comes along in all the stages so I was wondering if you could tell me about your friendship and the one that you lost. So back when I was in seventh grade, and I'm a junior now, so my friend Lauren and I, uh, we were going to this youth group, just trying stuff out. We didn't really know anyone there um, until uh, we met this one kid named Josh, and we hung out with him the whole rest of the night, and we had a great time. And when we left, we are like, oh, we'll probably never see him again. Um, and then a couple weeks later, uh, again, Lauren and I were hanging out and we're just in my neighborhood. And all of a sudden, this kid goes by on his bike and we're like, oh, my gosh, is that Josh? And we start yelling and running and we chase him down and he stops in the middle of the street. And he was like, 
what happened? What happened? And, <laughs> and we were like, oh my gosh, it's Josh. Um, and then that day I found out he lives in my neighborhood and I met the rest of his family and his siblings. We would hang out in my neighborhood and every Friday night, all of us kids from the neighborhood, we would get together and we play like games like tag or like just big group games like that. But we did um, every Friday night. And then in September of my eighth grade year, Joshua committed suicide, which was very shocking. I will say out of all of my friends, he would probably would not even have been on a top 20 list ever. Like it was very, but the person he was, it was very much not someone you would have thought would have done that or even right. could have done that. What made, what made him so special to you? There was something about him that our personalities just clicked pretty well. So Lauren and I, we were always together. She's my best friend. She has been for a while, but we, whenever we wanted to hang out with someone besides each other, we would always think of the Newsome boys um, and Josh. He had a great smile. He smiled and laughed a lot. He was really, he didn't tell as many funny jokes, but he was one of those people who like, was really like, you would tell the jokes too, and you'd get a really great response from them. Um, and he, we all loved riding our bikes and he was really fast and he was tall. And so he was really good at all the games we played. Um, and we would go to Starbucks together too. He loved Starbucks. It was so funny how much he loved Starbucks, but he was just a great friend. Smile was contagious, wasn't it? I don't know if you know this, but I do know him. I do know Josh and I do know his family and, um, he did have that very contagious smile. He was a sweet, gentle spirit. He uh, was kind to everyone and he was a wonderful swimmer as well. And I'm sure that he was very fast with those long legs. So uh, he was a unique, sweet young man. And so how did you learn about Josh's loss to suicide? Can you tell um, me a little bit about that moment and how it impacted you? So I very distinctly remember this. Sitting in sixth period math class and we were just working and then the intercom says, can you send Katie to the office? I didn't think really anything of it. Um, and so I get to the office and as soon as I walk through the door, I knew something was wrong. And I see my mom and she's crying. Um, and as a military child, I immediately think I'm because my dad was deployed during this. I immediately think, oh no, what happened to my dad? And I'm like, is it dad? And she says, no. Um, I also have, am very blessed to have all four of my grandparents still alive, happy and healthy. And so my next response was, is it my grandpa? Um, and she also says, no. And I'm like, uh, and she tells me, what happened to Josh? Um, and then she takes me to one of the principal's offices and she closes the door and we sat there and I started just crying out of just shock. I will say as a Christian, my biggest fear was that not that he was gone, but that 
um, he would not have gone to heaven because there are some religious beliefs that are like, if you commit suicide, you're automatically in hell, which I firmly do not believe at all. That was one of my biggest fears. And then my mom did something which I really, really appreciated. She um, had the office and Lauren, who was also friends with Josh, and she came in the office. She actually had already known. The whole day she had been a little off and sad. And when I asked her about it, she said one of her friends was in the hospital um, and I didn't without knowing it was Josh. I did not know that. And so I was like kind of worried about her a little. But um, one of the things she said to me which really struck a heart chord is when she came into the room, I asked her why she didn't tell me. Uh, and she said when she got to school, she saw how happy I was and she just kind of bring herself to tear me down with that news so I just thought that was very that really hit my heart because she was I was like wow but she my mom called Lauren to the office right after she told me and then Lauren's mom came and they checked us out and they took us to Chick-fil-a and we kind of just sat there in our shock and we kind of just started processing what was going on what had happened, what that meant for us, and mm -hmm. just the first initial wave of this has happened, like just figuring and processing all that out. Right. You know, a lot of a lot of complex feelings that that happen in those moments that change our lives, and you know, there's there's no anger or sadness, forgiveness curiosity like why or feeling hopeless or disappointed confused or lonely like all of those exist and we go through them in different stages um did your school um provide any support to you or your classmates during this time of crisis or uh, was it just mostly personal outside of school for one time i broke down crying um in class like the day or two after um but the teachers would always they would they more of indirectly help they more of like they wouldn't tell me like well, why are you crying or like pressure me to do they'd be like do you need to go to the bathroom do you need a break because my, my friendship with josh was separated from school i didn't want okay. to like bring that into me with school at first um, okay. I didn't want to like, it was almost like okay. school was like separate from it. So like, I didn't have to think about it when I was at school. How have you processed your feelings or emotions, you know, over time? I will say the way I processed them, um, the first couple days were the hardest for me personally. I found great comfort in my friends who were also friends with Josh and we just grew so close through that blessed enough to go to a hero's walk where Joshua's parents had thankfully they had let us all come and say goodbye to Josh um before his organs were donated uh to 42 different people so it was very healing because he saved 42 lives something so good could be brought out of something so bad yes ma'am right. so that really helps then his memorial that was a really really big just relief and weight 
taken off, Josh's grandfather stood up and he talked about when Joshua became a Christian and that was so short, but it was so meaningful. And that was the most important part for me because immediately, as soon as I heard that, that like wondering of like, what's, what happened to Josh after this? Like, uh, is he going to go to heaven? Will, is he going to be okay? Will I see him again? All of that was just completely lifted off of me because the answer was yes. And don't worry. And he's going to be okay. So that was definitely my, for me personally, um, my, I know being with my friends and, and my, my friends were really a good, strong root for that, especially Lauren. I know I've mentioned her a lot, but, um, they were roots, but that promise that he would be okay and that he was with the Lord, that was my foundation that I was able to stand back up on again. Do you believe there is forgiveness for those who are suffering and a suicide can be a very silent struggle. And so my analogy to this would be drowning. For example, people say that drowning is very active and loud and ironically, it's actually not because when you get to the point that you are critically drowning, you have nothing left to give or to voice. And so I liken um, someone who is suffering a mental health crisis and struggling to express themselves become silent because they've already shared in some way or maybe not, but at that point of crisis, nothing comes out. And that's why for many of us, it can be very shocking. Uh, as you said earlier, it's not something that you would have expected. And uh, the majority of the time, it, it's not something that we expected. I'm thankful that there was closure at the Memorial Heroes Walk and that there was more closure and understanding uh, at his service as well. You did touch a little bit on the support that you have found um, in your hobbies and things. Did you find yourself using other methods of coping to heal personally? First, can you share with me what some of those coping strategies that you used may have been? Maybe it, you love art, maybe it was art or music or a service project. Can you share a little bit about some of those things? Uh, yes, yes, ma'am. I definitely will say my one of my main coping strategies that I used was I, in my family, I did not want to talk about it or be seen on at be seen like or pitied by the rest of my family. So I would not talk with them about it like ever, to be honest. Uh, my parents did ask me about therapy, but um, at one point um, I did not want to do it because from my perspective, then no one else in my family had ever gone through anything like this especially my two brothers and I didn't want to be seen as more of the problem child, which I now being a little bit older, I wish I had gone to some sort of therapy um, just because I do believe that everyone um, can benefit from therapy and that it's not saying that you have a problem and you need to be fixed, but it is a resource that I did not utilize 
um, I do know a lot of my friends and Josh's family, they all did use it. And I, I definitely think it helped a lot, especially with his mom. Um, but I would use my friends and I would just, uh, my friends from the neighborhood, I should specify not at school, but the ones who knew him, we would just be with each other. And that's kind of how we dealt with it. And sometimes we just randomly start talking about Josh in the middle, or we just pause and just think about it. It was less of a spoken thing, but there was that we definitely all knew about it and we all definitely thought about it, but we just found comfort in being with each other. And, you know, <laughs> we were kids, so sometimes like playing games or doing stupid stuff really helps. Just being together sometimes knowing that you're not alone and that there are others who might be feeling common feelings that you feel or just being available to support one another is probably the most comforting thing, like you said. And then that camaraderie that you have together in supporting one another because you're linked by this invisible bond of the community of survivors. And that can be very powerful and that can be very courageous together but the main point is that you're not alone and you had one another. And so for those who do get therapy or talk with someone, therapists and counselors, we're called the, uh, the helping profession because we're there to help and assist. And I just want to say, Katie, if there's ever a point in time that you feel maybe I should talk with somebody, even though it could, grief has a funny way of circling back. I just want to encourage you to, to seek that out, that there's no time limit on grief and someone from the helping profession would support you as well. Definitely learned that people can be struggling and people will use different ways to help themselves when they're struggling or dealing with grief. Um, and I definitely think it's going to be different for everyone and that one way that I might help get through it might not be the same way that someone else does. But I only do think that we were designed to not be solitary creatures. We were designed to be in community with one another. And so I definitely think that having people around you is going to be one of the things that really helps you. I agree. We are not meant to walk alone in our life. We you know, like Josh came into your life for a moment or a season and you learned and you laughed and you shared a journey for a while. And I would hope that you would cling to some of those best qualities in the future. But grief is a cycle and it doesn't come at the same time for everyone. So just being there and having that sense of community and understanding I went through that already or you could say to someone in your friend group, have you felt like this before? I'm struggling with this thought. And then they may have gone through that before. And then you can help each other with the different seasons and the different cycles of grief. But the one thing uh, is that you have one another and you're truly not alone. What would you say to others who've recently uh, experienced a loss from suicide from a family member or a friend? One of the things um, I would personally say is people will want to put the blame 
on themselves and they'll think what could I have done like what could I have done differently and I will say a lot of the times yes we all could have been better outlets to Josh or could have maybe taken more time but um once it boils down it's not something we control and something that is our fault so I will definitely say that you cannot put the fault on yourself because one of the things that took me a while to realize if you love them then you have to be able to forgive them for what they did because it definitely does hurt so if you have lost someone then yes it's gonna hurt but you have to make sure that you forgive them not because it doesn't make it go away or make it okay but it shows that you really love them and that you will always love yeah, I think that's a very wise thing for you to share that forgiveness is love in its full capacity, as well as um, forgiveness begins the healing process. And so uh, thank you so much for sharing that young wisdom that you have, because it is probably the best thing you could have just said to anyone listening or, or going through a challenge of the loss of someone from suicide. You know, one of my professors told me that closure was an illusion. And I think that understanding that perspective, that closure can be an illusion because you were forever changed by that loved, loved one, your friend or your family member that you had lost. They were in your life. They were a part of your life. And you will hold them in your heart and you should be changed by that. And so the closure that people sometimes seek does not exist because now we have to grieve and forgive, like you said, and choose to love um, and move forward in a place of the new challenges and how do I live today with purpose? How do I live this life in purpose? How do I celebrate um, this life in this friendship or this family member that I had loved? Um, that doesn't go away. So that kind of leads into my next question. How will you celebrate your friendship and remember Josh in the days to come? Sharing the memories I know at big events or anniversaries, example, his birthday, or if a group of us were ever getting together, then we would always talk about like our favorite memories or we would just celebrate him and remember him. And one of the things I have really grown from this is always finding the joy in the sorrow, definitely remembering the good things that have come out of it. What happened to Josh um, and how it impacted me is part of my story. I share it. I've started sharing it actually a lot more this year, but when I share it, I think it's important because we need to be aware that suicide does happen and we need to not just put it under a cover or never share it um, because then we ourselves will never heal from it, but then also we need to make sure other people know that they're not alone and that they can heal from it. Well, thank you for sharing that because uh, you're giving yourself permission to feel happy again. You're, you're actually embracing 
keeping his memory alive and the lessons that you've learned and you're actively moving forward and you're, you're seeking joy and trying to stay positive. But I think the life timeline is, a, is another tool that others might find valuable in their journey of grief, because like you said, you were able to identify great moments and not so great moments. But when you sat back and looked at it as a whole, you were able to see all of the good things or the positive things or the life changing things that are shaping who you're going to become as a young adult and shaping your future path of understanding others, giving compassion to others. So I am so thankful that you are sharing your journey with us today in this podcast. Thank you for being transparent and sharing your emotions and your feelings with us. And maybe this will help to bring some support to others who might be experiencing this this struggle right now um, in their life, or maybe it will um, help prepare them for future challenges in their life as well. So are there any, is there any last thing that you would like to share with our listeners today? Maybe for other teens who have experienced the loss of a loved one, is there any last tidbits of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I will say that even when you lose someone, I will say that is a time when if you are struggling with grief and how to get out of it first, there, yes, there is gonna, going to be grief and you need to allow yourself to grieve over it. But I will also say it is one of the best times when you can run to love and when you run to love, it's going to find you and it will just be, it will be, it's one of the moments that I look back on and I know that I was loved during this and it has become one of my pillars whenever I'm doubting, um, especially in my faith or in like just the way my life's going. If I ever feel like, um, if I like can't, I'm just not feeling loved or I just think the world is just so horrible. I will remember what I went through and where my friends and my family and where the Lord met me, where I was and how they loved me even through that. And that is one of the things where I can start building myself back up again because I will remember how loved I was. So I will encourage anyone to seek out love. That is very wise, Katie. That is very wise because you are identifying first your emotions and your feelings and your allowing others to come join you or to seek their support and running to love is seeking joy right it's finding the good things and you said it very beautifully it is it is a choice and it's a choice to know and believe that you're not alone and that you do have a support system around you and um, that when you might not see it it's still there and that is something that is for sure um, experience that that we have together as the survivors of losing a loved one or a friend to suicide we find this sense of, of community and that invisible bond that gives us strength to go through each day and so you have expressed very clearly your emotions and your process and i thank you deeply for that and I, I do believe that young people listening to our conversation today and 
parents or anyone who is supporting youth that your wise words today will definitely resonate in their hearts and their minds. You know, I do believe that these conversations are hard to have, but so worth having. So I appreciate you talking with us today. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Mrs. Lopez. I want to thank Sue again for taking the time to chat with Katie. And I just want to thank Katie for having the courage to come on and to share her story. We're going to provide several resources in the show's notes, but specifically, I want to highlight the MSEC Wellbeing Toolkit for Suicide Prevention and Awareness. This comprehensive resource has been created to help parents, teachers, and other youth serving professionals who may be concerned about their military child's or adolescent's mental or emotional well-being. The toolkit includes comprehensive resources on suicide prevention, as well as awareness, suicide loss and grief, and specific tools, as well as strategies for professionals, schools, and other youth-serving providers. It is so important for us to embrace the evidence-based approach to public health regarding suicide prevention and awareness we need to normalize the regular check-in conversations with our kids. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. We'd like to thank again the Maxwell Gunter Spouses Club for supporting today's episode. Until next time, live a great story. Mm-hmm.